0: Architecture doesn't exist in a vacuum and neither should you. Whether it's a design critique or understanding how design connects to a larger world, gaining insight is invaluable for architecture students. Well, actually all students in general. In these interview sessions, guests from professors to professionals and everyone in between will share their experiences and thoughts on design and the built environment. In this episode, we are joined by Professor Russell Richmond. He is Pretty much a dozen years experience, uh, died in the prof at Ryerson Architectural Science, and he's currently the Graduate Program Director for the Building Science Master's, uh, both the Master's and the PhD. uh, Yes, and the
1: PhD. Hello, Vince. Hello, everybody out there.
0: Yep. And, and you see, he's one of the cool profs. I just want to say he's, he's one gonna, of
1: the cool profs. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. All yeah. the
0: profs are cool in <laughs> our department. But uh, <laughs> Russ and I got stories going way back. Uh, you yeah. might even get into San Francisco and Project Death Star. stuff. Oh right? my we'll, gosh. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. So Russ, I don't want to butcher your pedigree. So care to introduce yourself and tell us about where you're from and how you became a prof.
1: All right. Well, I was uh, a big load of questions. So where am I from? The short story is I actually grew up for the first, uh, first nine years of my life in Long Island, New York, split in time between the middle of Long Island and downtown Manhattan, west side. And then when I was months shy of my ninth birthday, I moved to Canada, moved to Toronto in the east side, just east of the Don Valley Parkway, so just out of downtown. And really, you know, I've been lucky enough, I haven't really left that area since. So I'm a lucky, lucky guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Academically, grew up here academically in Toronto, went to high school at North Toronto up at Young and Egg, and did my undergrad in civil engineering at U of T, and somewhere In third year, I took this course called Building Science by my mentor, then mentor, now colleague, uh, Kim Pressnell, and he opened my eyes to a field that I had no idea really uh, Mm -hmm. that existed and ended up doing my fourth year thesis, undergraduate thesis with him in Building Science, and that sort of solidified my love for it. Went back, did my master's, master's of applied science with him in Building Science, and then Worked several years in a building science consulting firm, and went back, got my PhD, went back and finished my PhD. Also at U of T uh, mm-hmm. in building science under Pressnell. So I am I'm a a born and raised U of T grad, and then after my my PhD was done, Ryerson was hiring uh, in and around that time, and I mm-hmm. got lucky enough to score the position that I am. I'm still in as a professor in the Department of Architectural Science at Ryerson University. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for the last five, six years now, I've been running the grad program, grad program in Building Science, that is. Mm-hmm. And that's the short story of how I became where I am right now. Okay, so what, let's, let's cover a couple of base uh, things, because I think we're,
0: we're missing a few details. And I want to I wanna make sure everyone knows about this. So just really quickly, at that point in time, when you were doing Building Science PhD, right? Or your PhD, what was the topic? And where was the industry when it came to building science back then? Because I know that back in my day, because I'm like, may, way, way more older than you, um, but we, we, Whatever. Understand, we understand what this building science thing was, right? That's so, a bunch so, of BS. Hey,
1: just
2: that's, that's me. building no, science, so. building
0: science. That's yeah, what building science we're talking BS. about today. Just, right. hey, listen, right. yeah, just listen, focus, focus. So, but but back then, building science, at least in the architectural circles, wasn't yeah. in, in, in the discussion and yeah. and you decided to take a PhD into that. And then, I, I mean, that, that's a bit of a risk, right? And I'm going to get more to this later, but just tell me what prompted you to really get get into not only just doing a master's but then you you subsequently did a PhD and then like did you see some benefit to the industry or to your professional practice?
1: Yeah absolutely. I mean from my perspective it wasn't a risk at all. From the the perspective of building scientists, building science has been around for a very long time. It was pioneered uh, somewhat in Canada back in the 50s and 60s through a small division in uh, National Research Council of Canada back then called the Division of Building Research, Mm -hmm. um, the DBR. And they, if you even, you can find it now, you don't have to go too deep in the the web. You can find uh, Canadian Building Digests, CBDs. And I think if people Google like, I usually Google uh, NRC space IRC, that's sort of for the Institute of Research and Construction. And then CBD, like if you do those three things, Mm -hmm. NRC space, IRC space, CBD, you'll find these Canadian building digests. And you'll see that building science has a rich history. Some people argue that it was, you know, sort of really started in Canada, but you know, it kind of crossed the Atlantic and it got really, um, really grew in the Scandinavian countries and that sort of thing across the, after the war and stuff like that. So either way, Um, between those areas in Europe and Canada it's been around for a long time and you have pioneers uh, during the energy crisis in Saskatchewan doing these super insulated houses you have uh, people doing uh, things like the Santa Claus method back in the day if you google that so fast forward to the guess 95 to 99 when i did my undergrad there Mm -hmm. that'll definitely show my age um you know building science was well established it's just that it's this sort of little crook in engineering and architecture that Mm -hmm. i always tell people that Building science as a subdiscipline or a discipline on its own, it really shouldn't exist. Um, back in the day, it really shouldn't. Back in the day, either the architects or the civil engineers should have grabbed it by the horns and run with it. Mm-hmm. And because it is this multidisciplinary type field that is some architecture and some engineering and mix around and it's kind of like a marble cake, um, neither of those two solid disciplines really picked it up. So it kind of fell through the cracks. And, you know... It's it's grown since, but to your point, when I went back and did a master's, it was still in some of the larger engineering consulting firms, it was still a serious a serious discipline. So it wasn't a risk. Like I started my masters already people wanting to employ me. And so halfway through my masters, I started working um, at a, an engineering consulting firm that I eventually got my my PNG at. Mm-hmm. And when I went back with my PhD, again, not a risk at all, more like a strategic move. I knew that there's this huge need for for building science, both in the academy and academia and in industry at a higher level. And I wanted to be part of sort of leading that, that charge, I guess. I don't even know if I could really say that part of leading the charge, but I've definitely part of the charge because yeah. there are people people before me that are leading the charge like yeah. Pressnell, like john john straw at, at, uh, okay. at waterloo and uh and others uh john timisk and that sort of thing that's just in the academic way then there's people in firms that have also been sort of co-leading the charge yeah. as well yeah so it's uh yeah it's, it wasn't a risk it was it was easy for me i, I fell in love with this discipline back in third year okay, and so, so then- uh, never looked back
0: so then, tell us though, in your in your PhD, um, what what did you actually pursue then? Just so that we we understand what you did at a PhD level with respect to building science.
1: Yeah, I can't even go back because I, I mean, I did I I my age group was still in the category of doing three theses through their career if you did an undergrad, a master's, and a PhD. So mm-hmm. I'll go back to the undergrad just to sort of paint the picture. I'm not like this one trick pony. Um, <laughs> I've sort of delved into a lot of different areas. So my undergrad was focusing on a house museum of all things. And it was a passive way to maintain a certain relative humidity Mm -hmm. all year round without crazy controls and mechanical. So it's called the reduced grading approach. I didn't start it. I just sort of furthered it. Other people started it. Um, And, you know, it involved field monitoring and a house museum at Todd Morden Mills, which is still about, 10-minute walk from my house right now mm-hmm. and a 15-minute walk from Ryerson UT. So that was cool doing field work and then some simulation and analysis and that sort of thing. Then my masters I totally jumped ship and I went to airflow and buildings and mm-hmm. prediction of airflow and buildings using a, an inverse method a sort of a part in my French but an ass backwards method to, mm-hmm. to do prediction. And then for my PhD I went well forget that I did that and that in my undergrad and my masters and I, and I went I went to curtain walls and I, and I created this solar dynamic buffer zone curtain wall, which in short is just sort of harnessing, uh, harnessing the sun through the spandrel areas, spandrel mm-hmm. panels in your curtain wall and poking a hole in the bottom of the spandrel panel on the outside, poking a hole in the top of the spandrel panel on the inside, bringing some air through and letting the sun warm it up and so you can preheat. Preheat mm-hmm. uh, air into the building.
0: So, so we'll get to some those of those were... innovations in a sec. But I think this is really important because I think now he's got to come back to the big picture. So we know the minutia. We know that we might have kind of lost a few people and just all the jargon that you just threw. Yeah. If no. you were to, if you were to tell a student in first year right that, that's listening right now because they only know that we've got project management building science and architecture as, as concentrations but they don't necessarily know they, they, they obviously get a lot of architecture down their throats right yeah. uh, a lot of them apply thinking I mean there are some students that apply going man I want to do my architectural science degree and go into project management like right do out you high want school, my
1: right? do you want my aunt Edna explanation of what building science is is that what you're asking?
0: Uh, no, how about dumb it down for Vince like just, just yeah, t- tell me no, what that
1: aunt, my Aunt Edna explanation is I tell a lot of my students over the years is, is picture yourself at Thanksgiving and your Aunt Edna who you, who you, you see once a year kind of mm-hmm. maybe with some turkey falling out of her mouth or something like mm-hmm. that leans up to you and goes what have you been up to? and you have to tell Aunt Edna in two seconds what you're doing and what building mm-hmm. science is. So my Aunt Edna explanation of building science is it's the study of the climate separator. So some people call that the building envelope mm-hmm. and the flow of energy around it, through it and within it. And mm-hmm. energy can be energy in terms of, of sort of heat transfer or mm-hmm. mass transfer in terms of moisture or air transfer in terms of air leakage and that sort of stuff. Okay. So it's uh, yeah, it's just that it's the study of the climate separator and the flow of energy around it, through it and within it. See, the that's technical a good explanation. side of that no that, that's Thank a you.
0: really good clean and simple answer because a lot of students ask and you know sometimes people talk about it like i mean in, in studios you hear about it, it's like oh it's like um acoustics or it's like uh it's like yeah. a, you know, RS, uh you know u values or something like that and, and people don't yeah. quite have a good precise understanding of what it is and i think that's well that's a good mine
1: intro. and you know what it's good that you bring up acoustics and things like lighting and other aspects i'm I'm definitely biased I mean I I know what I've grown up in in terms Mm -hmm. of the academic system and EFT you know building science is very classically building physics in terms of the building envelope Mm -hmm. and so others consider acoustics lighting um, vibration that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. also to be part of building science and it is it's just not you know what I consider personally my core belief of what the core aspects of building science is. So if anybody out there is listening to me and they're going, what the heck, this guy's nuts. What about acoustics? You're right. And it, <laughs> it, it reflects the fact that if you, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna plug my really bad presentation on the grad uh, program website. <laughs> it's just a screen capture, so don't, don't, get your, uh, don't, don't get excited. But if you go to one of my sort of orientation uh, screen capture presentations, there's this slide that kind of shows building science in the center of a circle and then all these other influences being you know if it's building envelope or windows or HVAC or lighting Mm -hmm. or fire everything all that kind of stuff are all these little circles on the outside and building science is really kind of what you want it to be. So if you sort of grew up academically and you're an an acoustician and you you know you specialize in acoustics or you're a lighting specialist and that sort of thing or even if you're a structural uh, specialist or a design specialist from architecture. Mm -hmm. And you fall into this realm of building science, you can pull that that core essence of building science towards your expertise. Mm-hmm. So my expertise was building envelope, and that's sort of how I've grown up to, to view building
0: building science. So so now, now that we've got a definition of what it is, and I think that's a really good kind of catch-all for for a lot of our you know colleagues that teach in acoustics or lighting, what have you. But I think now the, the other question would be okay, so typically when an architectural science student comes in our program, they go, you know, I'm going to become an architect or I'm going to become a project manager, right? But then the question is, I'm going to become a building scientist? That is a very, (laughs) like, uh, I mean, at some point it takes a little bit of education to learn what project management really is, but what does a building scientist do? Help me out here, man. Like I want to make sure that the undergrads understand what they could potentially undertake doing master's or PhDs in the building science stream.
1: Well, you can end up working in a lot of places in the the AEC industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Architecture, engineering, construction for those who don't really know that acronym. Past graduates out of our both our undergrad and graduate program end up working in architects offices. You know, you can kind of bridge the gap between being a a sort of classical architect and focusing Mm -hmm. on the building science side. Working in engineering consulting Mm -hmm. offices that are uh, you know, have sort of a building, building science uh, big group. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be an engineer to do that. You have to be, you know, trained in building science. Mm-hmm. A lot of our, a lot of our undergrads and grads with non-engineering backgrounds end up having great careers in engineering consulting offices and architecture mm-hmm. firms. Can work for developers. Uh, you can work for constructors, both small and large. I've seen some go to small, sort of boutique uh, contractor type companies or big uh constructors like pcls and the ls Dons Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing you can work for government various levels i've seen municipal provincial um a few even federally you can work for -for not-for-profits or other associations um environmental type associations like Mm -hmm. toronto regional conservation authority Mm -hmm. uh but I mean, I mean Russ, of, you're, you're talking like, damn
0: it. yeah, but Russ, see, that's, that's like the who you would work for. But I think that a lot of questions that I get typically are like, okay, so what would I be What I doing? Because I often find that in um, a lot of discussions with people, it becomes, okay, so am I just going to be dealing with like some sort of energy performance or sustainability issue for the rest of my career? I, I I'd like to be able to say that it's more than just that. Building science isn't just talking about like, energy consultation or like, you no, know, not at all.
1: Of, yeah, so, so yeah. So, so help well, people understand this. Yeah. So, it depends working, man. working down from those examples that I gave. It depends where you, what you do, it depends on where you work. Mm-hmm. Like that is the direct, the direct sort of um, limiter. So if you were to work in an architect's office and mm-hmm. sort of focus on building science, you'd be um, helping solve the, the, the building science technical aspects of Designs of overall building designs and that could be from schematic or DD design mm-hmm. development all the way to site and working with everybody on site and making sure everything's working out mm-hmm. um, part of that will be analysis making think, making sure things things work in terms of remember what I said the study of the flow of energy yep. across within and through it and then on the engineering consulting side same thing less on the design it'll be more on the technical aspects of the simulation both on a, on an assembly or a detail level and mm-hmm. pot- potentially on an energy whole building level,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you can be doing office work. Generally building envelope consultants are like 50, 50 throughout the year, 50% in the office, 50% on site, probably similar mm-hmm. to a lot of architect offices depending on the size. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're working for government, you're sort of using your analytical skills and knowledge for more policy development and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If you're working for a con- contractor, large or small, you are sort of the other end of that conversation the other end of the architect and the engineer and so you are one of my other mentors growing up during that time i worked uh, getting my png between my masters and my phd i had two amazing mentors uh Lori o'malley who now works for pcl and paul Pasquini, who now runs the building envelope side of uh engineering consulting firm called engineering link they you know, they're doing totally different things. Paul state in engineering consulting. Lori went to work for the, a big constructor. And, you know, whenever I still, I didn't, we haven't mentioned yet, but I'm still an active consultant, um, mm-hmm. you know, evenings and weekends. Um, but I'm pulled on jobs quite often. And If I see Lori on the other side with PCL, I breathe a sigh of relief because I know she is an expert in this field and we can have a conversation and we get each other, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of these large constructors are, hiring these building envelope specialists to to execute the sometimes difficult aspect of building science on the construction side of these buildings.
0: Yeah, because I was going to say, I'm noticing, and this is me speaking with the co-op experience under my belt on this one, um, I'm finding that as you go from firm to firm, uh, not only is there a value in the students that come from our program because they have that building science aptitude, I mean, not to say yeah. that other programs don't, but certainly we have it as a mandate in our program to deal with that kind of design, detail and delivery of projects. But I think that you find also that a lot of students that after they've done co-op, they will start thinking, hey, you know what, I need to get that building science under my belt, because there's a niche market in architecture firms, at the very least, right, to have that kind of aptitude to bring projects to uh, some level of real strong design. I mean, it's one thing to just kind of come up with a concept, but I think that the real meat and potatoes comes about from execution and that's where the building science really starts coming to play and, and most offices want to keep that hands-on inside the office as opposed to like contracting that out, I
1: gather. Yep. Yeah, it seems that way. I mean, the, the model I see it is, you know, some of the larger offices more forward-thinking are hiring people that have that expertise. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the project's set up that you need a building envelope consultant and you'll hire some of those building envelope during consulting type firms that i've mentioned so far mm-hmm. and uh you know it depends it depends on the approach it depends on how you write the specs and mm-hmm. depend, depends on what the performance level is and that sort of thing so i, I
0: wouldn't t- i want to take about that talk, talk from that point though because you know you're talking about this consultation and then and, and these kinds of opportunities to work let's talk about you and your consultation and your consulting firm right like i mean i've known you for a long time and i i know that I mean, I, I will get to the house story because I think that's important, right? Um, <laughs> but I, I think that, you know, there is an interesting thing where, again, we have a faculty member who does really good research and I'm going to talk about research in a moment, but does research and also is able to teach really well, gets lots of accolades for teaching and more importantly, is able to hold some level of professional practice. So Thanks, that, I mean, I'm, I am mean, you know, I get I get paid reasonably well. Uh, so russ tell me about that practice because i think people ought to know that you're not just sitting there you know with that weird office space in the atrium that everyone's like what
1: i love that office space yeah with my moose lamp
0: and uh, the big well,
1: you know painting of the chicken yes 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 okay have to right. now come to my office at 325 church street <laughs> if you want to see all this um yeah. you know what the reality is they're all interrelated like me being a consultant makes me a better prof and me being a consultant and a better prof makes me a better researcher. Mm-hmm. And I kind of split the two. When I say prof, I mean sort of the teaching side of being a prof. Mm-hmm. And all those three aspects, sort of, it's hard to really peel out and say, which, which hat are you wearing? A lot of people say, it's like, oh, I don't know. I'm wearing all three. Like, what mm-hmm. do you mean? I'll be on a job site. And I'm like, well, I'm consulting and I'm trying to solve your problem but I'm also thinking of a good way to teach this in class (laughs) because this is a cool problem. Mm -hmm. And then I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, we should probably look at that. And that's a research problem. So a lot of the times it's just sort of forging ahead. I have to, I have to give credit. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it was John Straub who told me a long time ago, probably back when I was doing my PhD. How did you have to deal with Straub
0: though? Was he just like an external, cause he's Waterloo. Straub
1: Straub was my external, uh, my external examiner for my PhD. So he was the final gate. So I might have and, been teaching uh, with him
0: while he was probably you're, reading your PhD. You're prob- that's probably, yeah, that's, you probably were. That's crazy. Okay, yeah, you, that's might, nice. you might
1: have woken him up after he yeah. fell asleep sometimes <laughs> for reading my PhD. He said, oh. he said, you know, as building science profs, if we're not in a dozen moldy addicts each year, then we're not doing our job as a building science profs. And that sort of always stuck with me. Mm. And it is is, it it is also in pair, like John and I and, and Kim Presnell and and Chris Timmis and his dad, John Timisk, like we all have similar characters in the way that we're very practical. We can all build houses. We have built houses. Like mm-hmm. that's my strength as a builder. And you go, you, uh, if,
0: if I, I, except for one person in that list, I think all of you like a nice beer every so often. Yes.
1: I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. Yes. I like a nice beer. Mm-hmm. And most of us like to be in a canoe somewhere yeah what's so, wrong with you people i'm sorry yeah well, what's wrong with you people um what do you yeah mean, you so, people? <laughs> people who don't like to be in a canoe mm. um yeah so it's it's like that's that's my contribution i've always sort of seen myself like like these others those other you know my mentors slash colleagues mm-hmm. as one foot in academia and one foot in practice and I, i've always said and you can ask people that i sat next to in second year and up i am Mm -hmm. not the guy who's going to sit there and always solve the partial differential equation Mm -hmm. no but i'm the guy who's going to figure out once you solve that partial differential equation how to how to assume it down to to a linear equation and then use it in a very practical manner that's 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 the thing i want that's the nature of the discipline too. It's a very practical <laughs> discipline. And I think that's why I love it so much.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. With you, it's very clear. You always are looking for the angle on how it's applied. And I think one of the best examples would be to talk about your house.
1: My house, the one I'm in right now because of COVID-19. Are we dating this thing? Do people know? When, well, I mean, we no, I, mean,
0: I, I think people are still going to remember COVID-19 later. But, just, <laughs> yeah. yes, talk, but, but tell people about your house because I think that like just full disclosure, if, if, if you guys ever look up, uh, Russell Richmond's bio on the Ryerson site it oh, doesn't yeah. talk about anything except for the fact that he likes killing raccoons so yeah. um, <laughs> I, I think that I think people should really understand the the nuances I didn't kill of that project yeah, they they,
1: they no those raccoons
0: were sleeping just
1: really oh, yes, really well exactly okay, okay. you can see their fur move it wasn't windy uh, uh, tell I, them about that like, about the house from man the, from the beginning you're
0: Well, just like what basically allowed you to bring research consulting and teaching. And like, I remember talking about like, you know, when you had like Perry and all those guys on site, that kind of stuff. So so tell people about that.
1: Okay. So the first house my family and I bought my wife and I, um, wasn't too far from where we are right now in Riverdale, just on the other side of the DTT. And, uh, I'll take you back. I was in the backyard. One day in our old house, our first house with my wife and her mom, my mother-in-law and our two kids and just south of us, literally, like just beyond our fence in the south. Someone was ripping down something and putting up a pretty tall row house building that was going to take our light away and that sort of stuff. And my wife and I were humming and hawing and it was still like six months away until they were going to break ground, but they had started some, some, uh, some sort of treatment of the area and some rough work of the area and we were grumbling going oh man like we love this south light we have this beautiful unobstructed south um south access mm-hmm. and it was going to be taken away so we were like oh i want to sell but man the time to sell is now not when this bloody building is going to be built in front of our south facing backyard and our mother-in-law my mother-in-law just said well why don't you just put it on the market and i was like what like I got a baby that's three and a baby that's one are you crazy? And, uh, and she said just do it like what what are you gonna lose for and I was like okay so like 30 days later and me finishing all 20 jobs that I've been trying to finish for the past eight years and 30 days um, mm-hmm. with the help of my father-in-law we put the house up we sold it and next thing we you know we were like whoops now what now we got to find a house mm-hmm. so We sold our house. We didn't have anywhere to go. And we were like, well, what are we going to do? My mom was a real sage at the time, had been for a long time. And uh, we looked at a couple of houses and we quickly figured out that between my wife who grew up in a a family with a civil engineer as a dad and parents who always bought and renovated houses Mm -hmm. and me as a building scientist and you know that sort of thing that we weren't going to be happy with any house anybody else finished, so we were looking for what everybody calls a gut job, mm-hmm. not a tear down, just a gut job. We wanted to renovate, and so nothing like that was on the market. And uh, we ended up writing a letter, handwriting a letter, actually like twenty or thirty copies of the same letter, handwriting, kind of saying hi. We're a family in the neighborhood. We're looking to to buy your house. We noticed that whatever you know like it's it needs a renovation are you thinking of selling so we dropped in our neighborhood in riverdale we dropped 20 letters uh, over a couple of days and we Mm -hmm. believe it or not we got three responses out of 20 that's like Mm -hmm. that's pretty awesome percentage i know Mm -hmm. right Uh, two of them wanted like way too much money um but the one worked out we ended up buying this house on uh on withrow don't avenue say, we are don't right say now say where you oh, live so, it's on the bloody web people it's literally seriously okay if you go to Renault 2050 you can see where the heck we are so i know but it doesn't say your
0: dress man this is creepy
1: think about the kids we'll talk about that you, in a you don't have to like you can tell where it is i literally say where it is so yeah. it's not a big deal if anybody wants to come challenge me then that's their their funeral <laughs> not mine <my>. um <laughs> So we bought this house and it had been, it basically had been abandoned. It's like this, this family of like two or three generations lived in it, but essentially just the family kind of, kind of petered out in a way in terms of how families do sometimes. And, Mm -hmm. and honest to goodness, it looked like there was a family in it and like three years ago at the time we were looking at like three years before we first saw it it looked like the family up and left and and that's it the fridge was still running and full but it was old so it was running at like 40 percent which was disgusting Mm. like if a a fridge was supposed to be kept at four or five degrees this fridge was running at a solid nine with stuff in it (laughs) which is (laughs) nasty and uh, the freezer was at like three instead of minus whatever and oh it's disgusting and there was a hole in the roof that leaked water during rainstorms all the way to the basement. it was a three story house, so it That's went through cool, the third was like a waterfall yeah. it was bad, and uh, nobody lived in it and it hadn 't been renovated ever and you know the only inhabitants were raccoons, mice, rats that, that sort of thing, and it had been ransacked because it had literally been mm-hmm. left uh, undone and we we got in contact with after the letter it was like the, the nephew of the or the grandson of the last owner sort of called us he was the mm-hmm. next of kin and he hadn't been back he hadn't been in that house since he was like 20 years ago like when he was a teenager mm-hmm. when he used to visit his yeah. grandparents so he was like oh, my gosh so he had to sell this house and like and this house makes, wasn't like just to be clear
0: this house wasn't like the sign of a like uh, like a crime scene or something like, this wasn't no
1: this, this, it yeah. wasn't a crime scene but it looked like something out of Nightmare on Elm Street sort mm-hmm. of set and uh he was like i remember the first time we met him to see the inside he was like here's a mask i don't know you're probably gonna vomit after a minute and both my wife and i walked in walked around and yeah it smelled like an old musty rotting house but whatever it's like nothing we couldn't handle mm-hmm. and uh my wife comes from a farming family on one side of her family so <laughs> it uh i just we just got through and he was like kind of impressed right like he, he wasn't he was from out of the city and i guess he probably thought we were idiots and uh and we got through it. And, and I remember he was like, wow, you guys, like, you didn't run away. I was like, no, it's perfect. Like, this is exactly what we want. Because it's a, it's an obvious gut. He's like, okay. And so we were like, you got a real estate? And he's like, no, nah, I've been talking to a few, but no. He's like, I know some contractors want it, but you guys are a good family. He's like, how much you, like, literally like make me an offer. And a dollar value, yeah. Yeah, and then we <laughs> called him that night and made him an offer. And then it was uh, it was done. Anyway. So we found this house basically dropping letters off and it was a clear gut. Like the the, mm-hmm. the water wasn't running, it had been cut off, and the street literally cut off. There were no pipes filled with water in the house. And there was a furnace. There was electricity, but everything was totally old. Mm-hmm. So we bought it and five months later we were renovating it. And before we did that, when we bought it, I I asked my wife and said, Our next house, I really want it to be a research house. She's like, What does it mean? What does that mean? I was like, Ah, just doing studies on it. And I think I probably asked her, like, just before she fell asleep one night. And she went, Yeah, okay.
2: Okay. Yeah, sure, Ross. Yeah, yeah.
1: So then when you're writing, man, you always got to get that stuff in writing. (laughs) I started doing stuff and we started renovating and I made it a research house. And you can see it if you Google, like, renovation 2050 and stuff. There's a website out there. Mm-hmm. And I ended up doing some cool stuff, and I've lost track. Five, six, or seven uh, master students have done their master's projects on my house. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, know, don't forget the undergrads. Don't you forget know, the undergrads Undergrads working like during during the the actual renovation, mm-hmm. I had three undergrads working for my company, mm-hmm. assisting me with the with the with the actual renovation. So mm-hmm. being on site with me the summer that I really threw uh, all the effort to the renovation and. And they learned a ton, and uh, found undergrads, yeah, do research as well, mm-hmm. and it's been good. Like it's in the first sort of four, four or five years of my time at Ryerson, it was one of the key research programs. It's you know it's since been sort of a little bit in the rearview mirror because been there, done that. Yeah. But it it was a springboard for a lot of my current uh, passive house research and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So the house was awesome it, it well, still is I'm, I'm sitting it right now so it's yeah home. well i was
0: gonna say like if any of you guys have an opportunity to do it, it the, the photos online don't do it justice because you got to really <laughs> visit russ's place because i'll tell you right now russ actually i don't know who laid it all out but it is like if you cut one of the walls it's designed like a sitcom like a 1990s kind of 80s sitcom family house where like there's a living room entry there's that kitchen area where like you know that it's, it's designed so that you have a live studio audience and on top of it not only does it look like your typical <laughs> like white people 80s family com, like sitcom family but he actually has like the 80s sitcom family to go with it. Like he's got yeah. like the Van Trapp kids. Like, like if you ever like because i yeah, as, as you guys might know, as the listeners know, um, I'm a homeless prof. And sometimes Russ has a heart and he takes me in and just like has me come over and has me for dinner and, and, and treats me nice and like the family. And when he's like, Okay, kids, we're gonna say goodnight to to, to Mr. Vince, and then they come lining up <laughs> to, on the set. They, 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 No, they, they yeah, Uncle Vince, sorry. But they, they stand so on the long, steps. Long. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, I swear to God, I'm like, Good night, I love you. I'm like, you're didn't say that or did you script it and and then his, his wife's like oh i'll leave you guys alone and then you know you guys you, you boys talk shop and then she just goes up and, and does her thing and i'm just like what this is crazy so that house is like the perfect you know the the, the i don't know the ideal i don't know 90s sitcom house and it's yeah. got the the right family but it is a tight space and i gotta give you credit like there are some instances like that that washroom upstairs the kind of coziness of everything the shared space it's kind of cool mm-hmm. what you guys did to that space so i got yeah, it Take a look at that. Um, I'll put in the show notes the, uh, the site um, so you can just have a look at that. So that's just one sample of the kind of building science research uh, that, mm-hmm. that you've embarked on. And of course, that's kind of really, as you said, sort of a springboard to a lot of the research. When I first started at Ryerson, uh, shortly after you were part of the, when, when Kendra was uh, chair, uh, you, know, you guys were part of the Assembled Avengers, right? Like I was in another institution and I was looking at, oh my God, you know, Ryerson's, they, they got Marco freaking Polo, they got Colin Ripley, yeah. they, they, you know, they, and then, then they got Marco Golevsky and then they, oh man, they just got Russell Richmond, the hot guy from like the, the envelope specialist from U of T. Like that's where we were like, oh my gosh, Ryerson's getting serious about this. So then when I actually got to Ryerson, of course, I was like, okay, Russ is cool. And it's like feeling the ground and just realizing, man, not only does he do a lot of research that I can really kind of bounce off ideas for, but he's actually a good guy too. And that's, and that's actually been really successful because- uh, I really appreciate some of the things that we've done together as, as research, right? Mm-hmm. And it's been fun. It's been fun. And, and I'll tell you right now, it's, it's funny because no one ever believes me when I start telling them about Project Death Star, right? So like I, I start <laughs> talking about like, imagine if there was a building and the spandrel panels had mirrors and they all kind of focused the light rays into one beam and it shot it into the building. <laughs> and, just, and then you draw a diagram mm-hmm of like they like you know these these beams converging and shooting something down and they're like yeah vince you like star wars and i'm like no my favorite movie is godfather why do you guys keep on talking star wars so Russ, <laughs> yeah. back me up tell them about project death star and our trips it's on the other side true. of the country
1: it's, it's true, true. <laughs> somehow and we got to credit davis yes our, davis market our, yep. old, our old BFF uh, yeah, lead at Ryerson. who was also like, you know, half prof, half IT lead. Mm-hmm. And he had these leads um, UBC, uh, going back yeah. now at UBC and the, I forget what their little group was called, but. Core Lighting. Sun lighting. Core Sunlighting. Yeah, Core Sunlighting Group. That's right. Yeah. With the CLCC in Davis, the uh, mm-hmm. Core Lighting Technology Center, I believe, at UC Davis, mm-hmm. uh, Davis, California. It's like yeah. an hour. Vince and I can can testify about an hour east of SF and about an hour and a bit west of Sacramento. Mm -hmm. Uh, We went down to figure out how to sort of integrate this core sunlighting technology, which essentially is, yeah, reverse project 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 Death Star. Star. Yep. Instead of of sending it out and killing planets, we're using it good and sending it in and lighting space deep in the core of the building. Yeah. And, uh, Davis, Vince, and I went out a couple of times. And I think you brought, you brought the
0: significant other two. You brought yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: my wife came once, at least once. Awesome yep. trip. Went to Alcatraz with you and Davis. And, yep. And but it was, but it was for time. research. It was all
0: for research. To put it was that for out research. Yeah.
1: We only hung out in the evenings. That's yes it. yes That's but I'll,
0: I'll tell you right now though, like, <laughs> just, just to give uh, perspective kids.
1: hold on totally totally related but unrelated story do you remember one of those times we were driving back from Davis and we're meeting up with my wife in San Francisco and this uh, is like this is 10 years ago. is this
0: one of those don't ask don't tell things?
1: no no it's not that bad and okay and I think she had my cell phone which was like an old flip phone back in the day and she was texting you Vince And I was driving and she was kind of figuring out when we were, she was asking when we were going to get back in town and we were running a little late. Uh And I remember you went, Russ, uh, do you have some secret language with Carolyn? I was like, (laughs) "No. (laughs) no, what are you talking about? Well, she's asking in the text, when are you back? But then there's like a big space and then there's all these like weird ass characters, like letters, random. And like, ampersand and exclamation mark and I'm like I have no clue what the hell that is the bear and then at dinner when we got back (laughs) it turned out that she was just so flustered with my phone, she didn't know how to delete. So when she accidentally pressed the wrong character, she just ended up pushing it to the end of the space. Ah, uh, kids. And today. So, yes, exactly. Anyway, I will oh. always remember that about Davis and Core Sunlight.
0: So. That's the part that you're uh, that's the part you remember? I that's the part.
1: I, I, you know what? I
0: just this is another little side story, but again, this is stuff to make you kids aware that props <laughs> are people and we're cool. Halloween? Well, I was gonna say Halloween, well, Halloween's one thing where, like, yeah, can you imagine three grown-ups just walking in a in a little, you know university town and all these little kids are dressed up as stormtroopers and stuff and yeah uh, so, Vince so that, is, that's kind
1: Vince of Vince's heaven
0: well except for the fact that when the parents said hey sir stop taking photos of my kid yeah. that kind yeah, of that was kind of <laughs> awkward uh, no but do you remember the no the one thing that I really remember from that research trip and again it was a research trip in California yes uh, it was a research so, trip. so remember when we actually went to this really like super expensive uh, one of Davis's friends had a house remember oh and, yeah and then he was like he was and it was just funny because was like and Matt like this, this like a sitcom in itself the guy that that was taking care of the house you know he's in all oh, the light and,
2: switches yeah, no
0: Are no not even no 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 not even light well yeah the, the, or how about the shower but no no, i'm talking about the, the good side of things where he was showing us the house and then we're just like oh this is an amazing ball and house it's like it's like a seven million dollar house and on the hills of, of san francisco and yeah. of course he's like oh yeah and um i'm inviting a significant a girl that i'm interested in and uh, uh you guys just happen to be here but uh you know we so were like oh so you're inviting a special someone huh and then of course remember you me and davis we just went to the like the trader joe's bought some food and then we just iron chef all this food yes, and we we cooked cooked all this, yeah and we cooked dinner for this guy for to to like make sure that he made a good impression with this with his yeah. lady friend
2: yeah, that was that. that was
0: cool because it was like okay you're gonna do this, you're, gonna, you're gonna do the uh, sweet potato fries yeah, i got the chicken it was such a good thing and it was just like it's one of those things where you're just like, man, profs can that be good guys. Good yes, that was a good night. Just in case you students think that profs are evil. Look, we helped a guy. Uh, and, and, and like, you know, come on, let's be <laughs> honest. Architects, and, and this guy wasn't a ladies' man. But we we really <laughs> helped him out, man. We we made that guy's life better.
1: Yes, we were very good minions. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so,
0: so that's the research side of things. But just coming back to this, I think that you are also not only just teaching in the grad program, I think now uh, some of you some of you listening have had Russell in classes as well, right? Like you've been coming back to third year.
1: Yeah. Some, some of them have. Yeah. 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 And, but and, and,
0: but and you have, and, and, and you've also taught in the past, like first year, I believe the first or second year building science. I've uh, taught first courses. year
1: sustainable practices for uh, several years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I taught mostly fourth year BSC A22. Mm-hmm. And then in the years when i wasn 't the graduate program director because it's it's like an additional job, so they mm-hmm. you they to teach less, mm-hmm. I was always in third year integration studio both terms yeah so so, so for four or five years that i hadn't been, and then this past year I was. I was lucky enough to get back into 520. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how you say
0: you're lucky. Every other prof that we've interviewed is like, yeah, I, I, I got, I got third year studio.
1: <laughs> nah, man. I love it. I mean, I like 620 better just because the designs are further down the chain, but, uh, and I can help more. It's further towards building science, but mm-hmm. you know, like it showed me how much I miss studio. Like, and, and you gotta, for everybody who's sort of architecturally bound mm-hmm. out there, listen to this, I'm an engineer. We don't do studio so no, no no dude it's
0: been contagious no, i mean you we hang don't around a we enough. don't
1: you've do studio job. you've done a good job Russ. Come i on. have had to learn i 11 years ago i remember being plunked down in third year studio <laughs> we were all together on that one we were, we were all, all together and it was the first time it was run and i had my Ooh. own group and i didn't know i didn't know front from back up from down people started talking about spatial and functional program i didn't have a freaking clue what the hell it meant let alone what the difference was, and <laughs> and it was like holy, oh, you know what? Yeah. Like talk about <laughs> baptism by fire, and and I remember if you, if you ever interviewed John Sirka and you asked him. Oh my God! The <laughs> first, the first time he took over my studio section in 620 so in the winter after oh. I had them with the fall <laughs> I think he basically got out his big old WTF stamp and went clunk. <laughs> I was like what the hell did you do last term and they're like eh. and I was like I don't freaking know like oh. what so you know I, yes I've come a ton of way since then and you know a couple of years after that first studio experience I ended up being lucky enough to work with Jeff Gildard who's a mm-hmm. sessional prof mm-hmm. and Arthur, Arthur Rigglesworth who's a faculty colleague of ours mm-hmm. and we teamed up and uh, I, I guess <laughs> shortly very shortly after that first studio when they gave Russ Richmond his first and only section alone they yeah, realized maybe next year we should <laughs> team up people mm, yeah. maybe we should put some engineers with some architects yeah that's a good idea <laughs> and uh, I, I will solely take responsibility for that one and anyway, so we started teaming up and we had this mini office and it was me, Jeff and Arthur. And that was the year that I really sort of, I was like, okay, I'm starting to get it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, three years in, I'm like, okay, I, I know the different functional spatial program at that point. And they taught me so much about how to be a good prophet, how to use my strengths, even though I wasn't classically trained as an architect. And and hell, really you know, it goes a long way. And then I ended up working with with Paul Flerka a lot mm-hmm. uh, years later in studio pairing up with him and learned a ton from mm-hmm. him and then I kind of stopped because I became the graduate program director mm-hmm. and and then this fall I went back and, and I mean I don't know you got to ask the students that's the person to the pudding. but I felt like I loved it I had a great time and I forgot how much I actually knew and yeah fine I'm not you forgot how arch- much you actually knew in in the architectural <laughs> Okay. Side, okay. <laughs> in the architectural studio bay- how to be a studio prof And and you know what like it's it's funny because you kind of you gotta sit there and and profess during studio and sometimes Mm -hmm. in my head I'm like oh my gosh did I just say that like mic drop but you can't really actually say that out loud yeah but uh, (laughs) like I really enjoyed it and I had some amazing students uh, this past term and and Carlos took it over for me so yeah Carlos done a great job and yeah yeah, so that's good
0: because I think I think honestly and I, I, I won't you know sugarcoat this I think it 's it's, it's an intensive studio for students and i 'd say faculty alike. I think the students don 't really understand just how intense it is for the prof because they know the level of aptitude you should have, and they 're doing their best to make sure that they can dispense with all the insights they 've got and there 's just so yeah. many multi you know connected uh, multi variable factors, so I think that it 's really intense for everybody, so just just be patient with the prof but I, I got to admit, Ross, you've done a really good job. I think that if you were to talk to uh, a, a second year student and you were to review, I don't think they would be you know, surprised to hear that you're an architect by background or, or, or an engineer. It doesn't make a difference because I think that uh, the insights yeah. that you got are pretty spot on. So let's yeah. just talk a little bit more about this, though, because in, in an academic circle, we know that architecture students tend to struggle with the technical courses, right? And, and I'm not just talking your course in particular, but like, you know, you've done third year studio enough to, to know that sometimes kids just for some reason or not, you just yeah. like, shake your head and you're like, how the hell don't you know that you need columns? Like, I, I, yeah, you know, like what's know. a beam, right? So, so I mean, and it's not because the kids are inherently stupid, right? It's no, just sometimes no. I it just miss them. But how, how, why do you think that our students aren't so good at those technical courses or architectures in I general? Yeah, not I don't want to
1: paint everybody with the same brush, but You know, I'll tell you a story of my mom. And my mom, to this day, will say she's bad at math. Okay? And maybe she is, and maybe she isn't. But she will credit it to when she had, I mean, it was either a pneumonia when she was a kid, or the measles. It was Mm -hmm. something like that. She she grew up in Holland. She's Dutch. And uh, she missed, like, two weeks. And in that two weeks, okay, I kid you not, I wish you could just, like, dial her in, because it would be, she would say this exact crap and it makes me laugh every time and i call her out she's like well i'm bad at math because you know back in whatever grade three Mm -hmm. equivalent in the netherlands back in the late 40s early 50s Mm -hmm. she missed square root
2: (laughs) (laughs) and And that's that's the the reason that's the breaker
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, well, that's, well I'm not allowed <laughs> to say that word. That's just not, not a bad word. Um, you know, I say square, root's, square root is a is a button on the calculator. That's not why you're bad at math. And I, and I feel <laughs> like when you ask that question, it, it, that rings true. And I feel like students have kind of accepted that they're bad at math. And, and therefore, they're bad at the technical courses and that sort of stuff. And I don't think they are. Mm-hmm. And so... I think, I think maybe it's not taught in a way that engages them sometimes, specifically mm-hmm. specific students. I think that it's buried in so much that you have to learn in undergrad as an architect, like so much. Yeah. And it's such a crazy degree mm-hmm. architecture because the spectrum is all from history theory all the way over to structural design and building science mm-hmm. and everything in between. And by the way, when you're learning all that stuff, you need to be creative. Like it's just, it's it's crazy. Like I remember thinking, you know, you grow up in engineering, mm-hmm. and you're always taught to be like poo-poo the architect, especially when you're a civil engineer. Mm-hmm. You're like man, those oh, architects, yeah. they don't know up from down. Blah blah blah. Yep, that's right. And that's not- uh, and you know, so that's sort of what I came to when I came to Ryerson working in mm-hmm. 08 first time. I kind of walked in. Well, I'm a civil engineer, building science. I'm you know I've worked harder than anybody to get here blah 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 and after the first year of teaching in this place I was like holy uh, you don't have to edit this out yeah yes, holy you. you know what these guys work way harder than us engineers and I was you know when mm-hmm. then we're going through undergrad because engineering is most often and not always in the CEAB the Canadian engineering accreditation board mm-hmm. are moving towards more of a design based approach but still engineering mm-hmm. most of the time has discrete solutions
2: Yep. It's absolutely. like do
1: this and you're done. Yep. Most of the time. You know, maybe it takes some time to find the path to get to this, but once you reach this, you're done.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and then you go to a studio submission, you're never done. It's and, you're never write, and you're never right. And you're never right. you never right. You're yeah. never done. It's just like, and so you work and you work and you work and you work. And then you mm-hmm. also have to do complimentary courses. And I was just like, wow, it's crazy. So well, I think it, part of that, you know, I'm getting back to your question and your answers part of that is people have it's the part it's it is it's not integrated maybe enough as it should be perhaps i'm not Mm going to say whether it is or it isn't but perhaps that's part of it therefore you know when you're trying to cut the weight and you're trying to get the balloon off the ground i think it's it's mentally one of the things you cut early Mm. the 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 technical side unless you really love it well i've had some students well i've had some students that kind of go through undergrad go into the grad program building science and say man I should have been an engineer I'm like well whatever you didn't <laughs> need to be but you know those are the people that have the creative side and the math side both mm-hmm. firing at high degree in their brains right
0: well yeah I, I would agree with you that I think that in architecture one of the at least when they study it, it it's very much discrete I, I think that for a lot of the courses it's like okay great I know what dew points are but I mean in civil, what, you mean, but, well civil no, but I'm ta- no but I mean but I mean in architecture it's taught in very like very uh, closed silos right like I, I know that I would look at understanding say like uh, dew points or say u values and then I, I might not actually understand it aside from doing the calculations and then it's not until you actually show me in a construction class yeah like, the oh, interrelation is yeah. not really there so, so yeah. I think I, I think coming out of third year though a lot of students do appreciate it as like it, it, it might have hurt but at the end of the day they know that there was all these factors that they learned in first and second year that they might not have put two and two together. And then finally in third year, they come out of the, you know, after the dust has settled, they say, wow, I actually know what this meant.
1: I actually see. It's its tough to teach. It's really tough to teach. Like I I didn't get where I am because of my undergraduate education. That was the foundation Mm -hmm. for sure. But like, it's, you know, it's that whole joke. Once you graduate and get to a firm, it's like, okay, forget everything, you know, forget everything you think you knew. And it's to a, to a point, it's kind of like that. It's like kind of, it's more like let loose everything you, everything you think you knew because we're going to reorganize how you use it sort of mm-hmm. thing. And, and I love my undergraduate and, and graduate education, but I learned a ton of it or I learned how to use it uh, mm-hmm. in, in the field, like getting my PNG and being a consultant and then coming back to being a, a prof and teaching and researching, like it's tough. So it's really tough No, in I, an I, undergraduate I, I, architectural I, education I, to teach all this stuff.
0: So, so let me, let me walk this through a little bit though, because let's say we get and see the, the light of the end of the tunnel We finished third year. You've just talked third year, right? So you've probably, and you know, some of the, the kids weren't so good at design, but you saw a really good glimmer in them going into. Oh yeah. Design. There's and a transformation to, yeah, across. Yeah. Third yeah. Year. So, so then they're, they're, they're sitting. So we have third years that are poised to go and select their concentrations. So, Um, You also have students that are finishing fourth year and poised to go and do, say, a master's of building science. And you've got Mm -hmm. other people listening that are just thinking, maybe I should go back to school. I mean, the pandemic's great to help, you know, (laughs) your skills for that. But but now here's your push. You have an audience right now. I want you to tell me why building science, why study it in uh, their fourth year concentration, why go and pursue their master's, why pursue a PhD? This is your chance to tell people why they should pursue this.
1: Jobs. Mm-hmm. Mic drop. No, the the employment <laughs> is incredible. It's a it's a growing field. It is still growing, as you and I have alluded to across this past forty five minutes or so. Mm-hmm. The architecture firms are picking people up. The engineering firms are making departments. It's just finally getting legs, real mm-hmm. real traction in the industry, um, okay. and it's growing. And you know, I can't promise anybody a job out of the master's program, but you know what? if you want one, you get one. That's what I've seen. That's what the mm-hmm. stats are telling me. Okay. Not everybody has had a job, but some people just choose not to mm-hmm. that sort of thing in building science and and people, the firms on all sides look to our master's program and they're extremely hireable. Okay. So, but but I mean, that's one thing to be hireable,
0: but let, let's I, I get a lot of questions, you know, and, and some people knew that I was going to talk to you. So I had a question about this. And basically, the, the que- it's, a, it's a huge par- paragraph of question, but they were saying, basically, a uh, master's of architecture is a component to get a license to be an architect. Yes. Uh, there are certain designations to be called a project manager, like the PMI or what have you, right? And, and even though yes. they don't have a master's of project management yet, there are designations and titles. You know, the question was, should I have embarked on doing a master's in engineering? Or what's basically, what's the difference between the master's of engineering versus a building science graduate
1: degree? Uh the the masters and our graduate program again, are, this is this at from a master's okay. level. Yeah, yeah. Our graduate program in building science at the master's level and the PhD level is an engineering-based graduate program. Mm-hmm. So if you go to another institution and get an MN, mm-hmm. it's the same as getting an MBSC. We just call it an MBSC because it's a bit of a marketing mm-hmm. differential. The MASC, the Masters of Applied Science, is the same MASC that I got at U of T. Mm-hmm. You get at Queen's or whatever when you focus on building science. Okay. So, the, the graduate program is an engineering based graduate program. Okay. And it differs from the MARC program because, like the beginning of the question said, the MARC program is the final step, well, before you go through all the hoops for Examination uh, licensure. Examination, experience, yeah. yeah. The final academic step mm-hmm. to becoming a licensed architect. So if you want to become a licensed architect, yeah, clearly you're going to need to do your mm-hmm. uh, um, it, And a lot of students are not interested in that and mm-hmm. they want to sort of change their career path and realize that they like building science and, you know, our grad program is the place to come. Like, period. That I shouldn't have to answer. If you mm-hmm. like building science, our grad program is the place to come. Well, I was going to say We're, more more. We are co- exemplary.
0: Well, that's what I was going to get at because there's, it's not just simply that you can have, you know, great guys like Russell teach you right? Yeah. You got, obviously you got Umberto and all that, but let's talk, can you t- t- do a quick shout out to Greg in the lab? Come on, man.
1: Yeah, like we, you know, it's we. I always joke, but it's the truth. If anybody's seen any version of Annie, some part in the movie, they all break out in song going, we got Annie, we got Annie. Uh, and they these start kids singing don't understand. No,
0: they don't understand. Well, they gotta watch the, it. That's a,
1: a, kick, a kick, you know, movie. Anyway, <laughs> I always sort of, you know, a couple of times a week, I run through the corridors at, at our building and i'm like we got greg we got greg and we got this (laughs) awesome building science lab tech in our building science lab named greg Labay, who is like an industry leading field Mm -hmm. diagnostics uh person in building science and envelope and commissioning and that kind of thing and testing Mm -hmm. and uh we were hiring for a lab position a couple years ago and i fired the ad out to all my contacts just like this is it like, i was just thinking this is the time like this is where yeah and you were amazing
0: unicorn- you and i were talking about this. you were looking for unicorns man
1: i so. was looking for a unicorn and, and i fired it got- i fired it to greg and i said greg pass it around um and he was working and he had his own firm and doing mm-hmm. all this field testing and diagnostics and stuff and uh and he emailed oh. me back he said he said i'm kind of interested and i emailed him back i said greg don't don't you know what with me seriously Mm -hmm. just passed away he's like no seriously email me back i'm interested i was like really yeah and it was i didn't think in a in a million years Mm -hmm. that he would be and so we ended up hiring him he said yes we said yes you know death to us part Mm -hmm. and uh and in the past couple years that he's been there like two years and a bit and um the lab has getting used flourished oh my gosh it's like a heart Mm -hmm. you know it's like a heart in our program now, whereas before it was like the pinky <laughs> you know, yeah. not much blood gets there. And uh it's just it's amazing. And the Rust students man. love him and yeah, I love a,
0: him. I think I think that's the thing. Like I mean he's a great guy. Not only is he knowledgeable. Oh, he's, he's a great a really guy genuine, like yeah. I mean like Let's put it this way. I mean, if you want to take on a master's program, honestly, you can't go wrong with the master's of building science folks because the profs are cool, the staff's cool, but, and and the facility is good, right? I mean,
2: it's still- The facility is good, yeah.
0: This is the thing that I would recommend. I mean, just me talking to you as the graduate director of that program, Mm-hmm. You give like tours or like at least find a way to make that lab more visible because it is stuck in the mm-hmm. back corner. No one we knows try. the cool stuff that's getting I know. done. I mean, I know. It, it's a hard push, but I mean, if there was a way that you know, kids if, in the under, If anybody ever comes,
1: if anybody ever comes down the Ryerson, email me a couple of days before and Mimi and Greg and I, Mimi's my mm-hmm. right hand she runs the program, mm-hmm. she runs both grassroots programs mm-hmm. um, from the administrative side. Marco and I are the GPDs, the graduate mm-hmm. program directors but Mimi's the administrative lead Mm -hmm. So the three of us, will give you a tour, like I'll buy a coffee, open offer, I tell everybody that if you want to come down and see what the heck the grad program is about, you know, coffee's on me. Mm -hmm. And if you're lucky, I'm hungry and therefore you get fed too. So Uh, yeah, just gotta come on down, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so pay for it myself. (laughs)
0: yeah because you know how much we get paid right so okay so we got a good push for the building science uh programs and and certainly even the special sorry, the concentrations towards the end i think that there are lots of opportunities there um so Mm -hmm. now i think we just want to conclude a little bit you know you've been teaching for a while now and i think you've seen your fair share of terrible buildings okay yeah bad architecture so You don't have to be like Mr. Building Science and say, well, this building doesn't perform very well or whatever, but I mean, tell me, what is a really bad piece of architecture that you can offer some insights and lessons
1: to be learned? Oh, man. That is a loaded question. Hmm. All these lawsuits are floating around in my head right now. do -do -do. can't do that one. You don't have to use specifics, dude,
0: man. Don't have to use specifics.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, A really bad piece of architecture is, to me, Both on a, you know, I humbly say on a design side, um, not being trained in that side, but also on a building science side is usually when a historic building is added onto with a new addition. And I'm talking about the ones that are, you know, 50-50 or 60-40 where it's it's doubling or being replaced half Mm -hmm. of it. So it's not like just this little back part. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's one-to-one you know, 50-50 sort of prominent, this new edition. And I feel mm-hmm. like both from a design side and you know, sort of the architectural side and from the technical side and the building envelope, they usually drop the ball a lot. So those are the types of projects that I sort of, they're like the sort of nails what, in the chalkboard for What do you mean by drop me. the ball? What do you mean drop the ball? I feel <laughs> like the designs generally don't mesh and mm-hmm. the heritage aspect is lost in the new or the new is lost in the heritage mm-hmm. and then people get sort of stuck in the materiality aspect and the systems aspect and either they they reach too far and the design is just way out there such that when it's constructed it looks nothing like the original intent therefore it's like Frankenstein to mm-hmm. the finish you know like a slow limp across the finish line of a marathon mm-hmm. And uh, and because of that because there's so many changes and so many things that way it's it's compromised technically right Mm -hmm. maybe from an energy side maybe from a systemic water leak or that sort of stuff all over sort of thermal comfort on the inside for the occupants that could be thermal comfort that could be occupant comfort from glare Mm -hmm. or you know, that kind of stuff, drafts. And I just feel like that's a lot of the times I see in projects. And and we know the projects I'm talking about. They're bigger projects. I'm, I'm just more projects. surprised that you're
0: not saying the name of the project because I'm I think
1: not. It's not the project. That's one that's floating in and out of my I'm head. I'm just thinking but that... It's a couple of projects like that. So I'm you don't saying, know which, man, you can't read my mind. You don't know what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> no, because I've interviewed enough architecture profs now that uh, those of you guys listening going to go th- I'm oh, going to say it's a three for I, Am three. I an
1: architecture prof? Thanks, Vince. Uh, hey, look, man, it's me.
0: contagious. It's like it's like Thank corona, you. man. I mean, you've you, you years. Around- hey, come on, man.
1: We're, we're tight. <laughs> Corona. Yeah. So, oh, sorry, man.
0: S- speaking of type. Okay. So, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people have got to know the kind of person you are and certainly all the stuff that is is driving you and, be, and you're passionate behind for teaching. But is there anything that we might not necessarily know about you that you want to share? Like, I mean, I can tell uh, stories like, you know, we, we know now from other profs that there's multiple profs apparently that can kill us. Did you know that? Like, there's so many black belts in our faculty corridor. Yeah, and, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. There's one right uh, next to me. Yeah, I know. I know. And then, and then, um, I think we've also discovered that every male prof that I've interviewed so far is like an aspiring guitar rock and roll player. Um, one way or the <laughs> other, it's, it's weird. Um, uh, so, come on, man, tell me something that you'd like to share with. The all rest right,
1: crowd. all right. So. Uh... In the last couple of years of high school, I was, you know this, Vince, already, but I was the lead tenor in a very successful choir at the school that was like city and provincially sort of mm-hmm. leading. Yet at the same time, I was captain of the football team. So that impressive, right there, I, that's sort of, sort of, that is who I am. And, and none of that's really changed. I still yeah. am very active on the sports side and the physical side. And Russ can still sing. I, I love to sing. rough and tumble, and Russ can still sing, which I yeah. will not do in front of you right now. Which, no, no, no. I'm, but I do I listen, have a guitar, is, so maybe I am like everyone else. Yeah, I no say.
0: Yeah, but th- this this is just like a little secondary uh, tool to get all of my colleagues to go and do karaoke night sometimes. So
1: I will, uh, I will, I also I know. love my family as Vince knows, and it's really hard to get me out of the house after six o'clock if it's not with my family. So I know that is the my warm and thing. fuzzy side that is such yeah, a weird thing well, like he's
0: like oh vince I, sorry man i gotta take a call from my wife and kids i'm like your your wife talks to you and you're calling me like now like, wait, wait, like dude
1: it's yeah. a meeting <laughs> uh, i say to everybody when i'm in meetings anywhere i am i say i hold on my cell phone in class in a very important meeting i'll say listen my phone's on vibrate i will not leave unless it's my wife or my kids and that's yeah. it so yes anytime they trump everybody and if you don't like that go fly a kite i'm not working with you okay and with
0: that on that russ, note <laughs> yeah um so don't mess with russ and his family um
1: because yeah, i think multiple times
0: family. in this episode you you kind yeah. of threatened to kill people yeah. for coming close to the dead
1: yeah. so. <laughs> people people close to me know that already so yeah, yeah. You, you hit the, the nail on the head with that one yeah.
0: so thanks a lot for your time man no and, problem uh, vince
1: thanks for asking
2: okay cool man take care you too bye-bye